But then you realize that the distance so far and the offer we made so big. So you you accept that the reality that there is no way back home because you will be killed. And it's time to change this mi- mindset about how oh, this is temporary. No, this time is real. This We're going to stay a kind of forever here. So we need to adapt, basically. We need to learn the language to know every single millimeter in the city. Welcome to Create Belonging. This is the podcast where we explore the world through the lens of belonging. My name is Matteo Bornico, and I am the creator, producer, and host of this podcast. This is episode five, and it is a conversation with an urban planner. But before I introduce my guest, I wanted to ask you, as I typically do, is to think about where you live right now. And no, I don't mean which country. I'm, I'm more interested of what happens outside of your house right now. Now, if you're one in the four billion people on this planet that live in urban areas, chances are that your life is impacted on a daily basis by the decisions taken by an urban planner at some point. And one of the reasons I'm, I wanted to speak to an urban planner is because the majority of the world actually lives in cities and urbanized areas. Now, according to the UN, 2007 was that year that for the first time, most of the people in the world lived in urban areas than in rural areas. And this trend is actually increasing. They say that by 2050, it's projected that more than two-thirds of the world's population will live in urban areas. That will be close to 7 billion people. So I guess it's fair to say that urban planners have an incredible responsibility to design and to make decisions that will impact not just the people currently living, but for generations to come. But I'm also really excited today because I'm not just speaking to any run-of-the-mill urban planner. No, this is the Create Belonging podcast, and I've got an incredible guest for you today. So today I'm speaking with Mustafa Sharif. Mustafa is both an urban planner and he's also the creator and host of the Urbanistica podcast. Mustafa is somebody who has given a lot of thought of what it means to belong and how one should think about the places that they call home. Now, I love this conversation. Not only do we talk about urban planning and why it's so important and what does the current trends and and future trends of urban planning look like, but we get into some really nuisance topics around belonging. More importantly, uh, we talk about what, what home means to him and how he defines home as made up of two parts, a software and a hardware. We talk about the, the scale of cities and why one feels more comfortable in some cities and not in others. And also we talk about the placemaking movement, which is a truly inclusive way of 
making decisions and planning urban spaces. Now, if you ever think about belonging as I don't belong in the city or that city, then you're going to be really intrigued with this conversation with somebody who not only thinks about how he belongs in a city, but he also very consciously thinks about how does he design and make decisions that helps everybody belong. Now, I bring you Mustafa Sharif. Welcome to Create Belonging, Mustafa. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, it's it's a great honor. Um, you and I, we've met a while ago, but um, I remember asking you about, about your podcast and uh, how did you start? Where did you get started? I mean, you were over 100 episodes. I was so impressed. And uh, now I have you here on my pod. So it's 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 great. Yeah, and I, I remember I will talk and I, I was so happy that a person like you will start a podcast because I know you, I know you, what you think about and what kind of value you want to deliver to the listeners. So I was so happy when you texted me. I'm, I'm thinking to start a podcast. I said, yes, finally. Great, 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 great. So, but um, let's enough talking about me. This this interview is about you. Um, I know it's a habit, but um, let's 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 shift the focus. So, I'm just gonna start off with a question warm up. What is your or where is your favorite place and um, why? My favorite place is in in Milano, in Italy, uh, the public square in front of the Duomo Church. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Is because uh, there are so many people. Like you, you just see people over, uh, overall, everywhere. There are not so many trees. Not, not. There's no, no fountain. Just people and the ground. And this is what I'm really in love with in this life: is people. When yeah. I see people, I feel so happy, even without interacting with them. So that's public square. It's, it's my favorite place. Yeah. I'm- Piazza Duomo. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah I've, I've been there with my sister, actually. We had one of the most expensive cappuccinos <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah, uh, Italy is a great place for people watching. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And also, like, in, in urban planning, we have the Professor Jan Gale, like, the, the godfather of urban planning for human scale. He was in Italy and observing the different public squares, how people interact, walk, so from there, we have a lot of great principles. Yeah, and your story doesn't start in Italy. You're, of course not. No. Um, so let's, let's take me back a little bit. How, how was that? How did you end up in Italy? Yeah. And how, what was your, your story like? Yeah, my, my story starts actually in, uh, in Baghdad, 1993. Uh, I was born there. Uh, I am originally from Iraq. And as I mentioned, I was born in Baghdad. And I actually grew up there as well. Uh, but then we needed to move because of, uh, you know, Iraq. We have so many wars during the time, and uh, recently in the last 15 years, a lot of uh, terror attacks, terrorism. So we, m- my family needed to move from one city to another city. Actually, first started moving from one area to, one, to another area. But then uh, things get very dangerous, so we moved from one city to another city, and then even more so we moved from one country to another country and one thing like in the end my father realized like okay this is not going to work in the long run we need to move to a, like a completely what do you call it a continent yes. 
and he was thinking, okay, where should we head? Is it to Canada, Australia, or Scandinavia? And he made the decision that we need to move to Sweden, to Scandinavia. And then we moved, and I was 17 years old, and here I started learning language, uh, the Swedish language, and then I studied, I did my bachelor in, in engineering and architecture, and after that I didn't really, f- it was not my passion, architecture and engineering, because I think this is something with us moving from one city to another city, so... There's more, I, I was more interested in the bigger scale, observe things, why why my, me and my family were happy here, but not in that city. Okay. So it's raised a lot of questions in my mind. And when I became an adult, you know, when we are here in Sweden, now I have finally the chance to, to decide where I want to go without being killed, you know, mm-hmm. or losing my life or one of my family. So I decided to st- to, to study cities. So I studied master. I did master in urban planning here uh, at the Royal Institute of Technology in KTH, and then I did an Erasmus study, like studying abroad, yeah. uh, and I did it actually in Milano because this is something uh, I wanted to do it in Torino because okay. I support Juventus. Oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then I checked the homepage of the university; they didn't have any course in English. And within urban planning so I decided to go to Milano and there they had and I think this is absolutely the best thing I did in my life that I just uh, went there met new people from different countries I had the, the the chance to travel to so many different cities within Italy and around and that's how I end up in lovely Milano okay yeah wow what a story the next question I have for you is is can you describe a moment where where you felt like you didn't belong? What was that like? Actually, it's every time we enter a new city. And it's not like only one moment because we enter so many different cities. And at the first hours, uh, I see that, okay, it's not my place. Because I know that I just left my home. So this is new for me. I don't belong here. And uh, we are here temporary. We're not going to establish, you know, like home and settle. But unfortunately, this is the the true that we we attend new schools, rent a new flat, and we do this on and on and on. But the biggest moment was when I moved to Sweden, actually. This is like the biggest moment ever, and I still remember it. Can you can you talk more about that, please? Yes, um, because Sweden is, is almost the opposite of where I'm from, from Iraq. Okay, there we are very close community and society with a with a with a specific religion, traditions, and culture, uh, weather. Here is the opposite. Here is like the weather is completely different. In Iraq, we are let's let's say plus 30 here in sweden minus 30 uh, things are closed there in iraq here are people very open very diverse this was my first time i see people from uh, different nations you know okay. with uh, different hair colors uh, right. it's it was for me it was a big shock because that that image i see only in airports yeah but this time it was like something existing temporary here not um, permanent here 
then in the beginning i felt that we don't belong here it's because of the language because of everything was new we didn't know anybody and my dad had struggled with getting in the in the in the society i didn't know anything so that more these days like in the beginning even sweden was very welcoming us so much you cannot imagine like this is i will tell this like to the end of my life that sweden just gave us a new life to be honest we were like almost yeah it was tough time there back home but yeah the first month here in sweden it was very difficult but after that we changed the mindset in order to to be part of our new home that's yeah um can can you talk a little bit more about changing the mindset or what do you mean yeah it, because the thing that our mindset my family mindset and me our mindset was like this we know where is our home it's in baghdad you know so when we were moving to other cities we say okay this is not our home but we're going to stay here until things get safe back home yeah. when we came to sweden we we almost thought the same okay we're going to stay here for for a while and then when things got safe and back that we go back home yeah. but then you realize that the distance so far and the offer we made so big so you you accept that the reality that there is no way back home because you will be killed and it's time to change this mi- mindset about how oh, this is temporary no this time is real this we're gonna stay a kind of forever here so we need to adapt basically we need to learn the language to know every single millimeter in the city Uh, where to buy food traditional food um which which school is best what kind of people live here and so on so the mind shift changing mindset from temporary to permanent yeah you start making um longer term plans not just from here one year but let's yeah. let's look five years ten years yeah on. because our plans were uh, three months you know but here we say okay But then now it's 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 more than ten years. Plan university, plan uh, even like where I'm going to create a family, which city is better for my kids. So we just accept it, and this is our new home. Yeah. So I was just going to ask you, well, where is home? So um, when I first asked you to the interview, you said, um, "No, I'm going to go. I'm going to go home see my parents." Mm. Um, so where where is home? I thought a lot about this question. This is what I like about you because you're like really deep in the thoughts and talk. So I was thinking a lot. And for for me, home is of two things, like hardware and software. The hardware is the physical material, you know, like walls, a cabin, uh, anything that I that is uh, has a dimension. The, the software people and activities that I do with the people which became memories after a while so f- now home for me I have like f- several homes actually yeah. the first one is back home in, in Iraq in Baghdad we had our house uh, beautiful house rooms I had my own room uh, so this was the physical aspect of home and the software is the people like my family my my friends at school we were there and playing studying so we have have memories yeah 
So these two combined together is home for me. When I think about home, I got these good vibes, then this is home about this in this specific place. Moving to Sweden, we my dad d- decided that we we will be in Helsingborg in the south of Sweden, a very beautiful city, waterfront. There, my dad he, and my my parents they have a little flat. It's 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 theirs. So for me, this became a, a, the the hardware that we own, and the software, of course, because uh, I grew up in Helsingborg. Many friends, m- good memories, bad memories as well. So there was a kind of interaction and activities. So Helsingborg, according to my <laughs> to my. Uh, mindset this is a home and i always will call it a home so far we have we have the flat there memories i have them and stockholm is my home as well because for the first time now i'm 27 years old and for the first time i own my 15 square meters i have the key you know congratulations thank you so much yeah and and so i'm so happy and finally i can call stockholm home I have memories and so on. Milan, I when I studied there, uh, I rented a flat, uh, so I I did a great things there as well. Uh, I cannot really call it home anymore, sure, because but it was there is a part of you there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. The software is existing. Yeah, beautiful uh, memories. I this is exactly why I wanted to get you, you as an urban planner, and we're gonna get into that now. But um, this is exactly why I wanted you to be on this podcast because a lot of people think of belonging and they automatically go to a place. Which country do you belong? Which city do you belong? But there's more. There's more to belonging than that. And um, I like how you combine both the, the, the physical aspects and, and the emotional, um, psychological, spiritual almost um, aspect of, of belonging and um, spot on and yeah. So let, let's talk about your career today. And um, we're sitting in these beautiful offices at um, IFRI or EFRI. A-FRI. A-FRI. And um, you're an urban planner. Um, you graduated, I believe, at KTH. Uh, yes, 2008, late 2018. Yeah. And um, you've even, I, I believe you're also sometimes lecturing there as well. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, you're you've you're all over the all over the place. So um, of course, I'm gonna ask people to connect with you. Um, you know, Thank put you. all your put all your um, your hashtags and all your <laughs> links. Um, so follow, yeah, follow Mustafa. He's definitely um, all you. over the Thank place. Um, but urban planner, I I one of my I probably didn't tell you this, but I'm also passionate about urban planning i don't think i will probably go to school for it <laughs> um but i i understand th- how it is a force it's a force it could be for good or for bad but tell me about why why you became an urban planner i can tell you i started a little bit talking about this topic uh moving to cities sometimes you get the good vibes sometimes you don't get for me as a young i don't i didn't know why what's the reason i just know that I like this city. I don't like this city. But this, like, this kind of made me to think about why. So I tried to study architecture. When I studied architecture, I didn't really find my why, and I couldn't really translate my feelings. Uh, architecture is a very beautiful thing to study, 
But then I knew that there is something the larger scale, the urban planning and architecture dealing with one building or one space. But urban planning dealing with all the spaces, all the buildings, everything you see in the city. So not only one, dealing with all the puzzle. So this is what I want, actually. And that's why I study urban planning. And from the first day, I fell in love with with the program that I did. Because there I found what I want. That things explain to me how all the different things function. People, uh, in the ecological aspect, uh, economy, uh, the material. Or how these things come together and create life. So why I became an urban planner, because I noticed from all the cities that I moved, there's things were functioning, things were not functioning. And I didn't like that things are not functioning and people like suffering. So I, I tried to change. And for me, I, it's not enough to like, you know, say, ah, that sucks. I don't like it. I, I would love to contribute to that change. That's why I study. And now I'm so happy that I could make it and follow my passion to be an urban planner in order to create more livable cities so people feel happy and f- feel good, you know, because s- space in the city, public space, is, is part of your life. It's not a, Your life is not only at your home. Your life is much more, like, bigger than just staying in one room. It's, it's in the entire city. One of the things I, I heard you talk about in, in a previous interview was um, your love of Baghdad, which is, that life happens outside of the door. Yeah. It's like in the the spaces between the buildings. Exactly. That's, that's where life happens. Yeah, exactly. And th- th- I think this is also what makes me uh, fall in love with seeing people all around the space or the place is that because back home, we are so many people <laughs> in Baghdad. Uh, it's it's very dense, tight city. So you always see people, always, always, uh, 24-7. And people use the... Because the houses in some in many parts are very tight, and you see in in families there are maybe ten members, so they cannot really sit all of them together and do activities. So street became part of their life. Like street is the home, and home is the street. So you're more active than the street. I remember like with my friends, uh, we were in in uh, this um, dense city or area, many people. So we were playing in the street, doing homework. Uh, meeting, shilling. So the only thing where we were at home, I was at home where it was, uh, we had electricity and we were able to play PlayStation. When electricity is off, then right. just you just go out. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's, it's a completely different world. And, and But you became an urban planner in Sweden and it's one of the least dense countries. It's very planned, very thought of. Um, it's almost a planned society in many ways. Yeah. How, I mean, you had to do a complete mind shift for that. And, yeah. and how, how do you, do you like the fact that now that here there's so much attention given to urban planning? And when I say attention, maybe power to urban planners. Mm-hmm. And, and they really have, um, have done some great things. Uh, maybe some not so others, but they have a direct impact on people's well-being. Yeah. So, of course, uh, it's it's a bit tricky here. Like when I study in in, in KTH, we had different uh, point of view within urban planning. Like we study how is it done in, in the U.S., in Europe, in Sweden. 
But in, in Sweden, it's a bit special. We, you know, we have a lot of, we have a very big country geographically. And what urban planners did back in time, the 60s, 70s, the modernism, they didn't really plan a city next to each other. They just spread it because they plan based on cars. They'd be like, okay, we put one area here, one area there, and you take the car, that's fine, because back in time, car was the king. Yeah. And what we realize it's uh, now, after 50 years, uh, or the problem that I would deal with now is these areas are very segregated, far from each other. It's not so much people. Yeah. And you need really to take car, which means like uh, problems with the... Uh, Inequal because if you don't have, a, if you cannot offer to buy a car to pay the for the diesel or the yeah I I'm I'm a yeah, cyclist so yeah. I yeah, I know <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly so now so it's not in some areas it's well done in some areas like not very well done and this is a majority is not very well done it's not only in Sweden but in many countries yeah and I suppose also Sweden they they tend to. St- stick to themselves a lot yeah uh, that's that's part of their culture and personality um but you've seen the other side mm. that people can be within close proximity create community and so you could see how as an urban planner you can you can have an influence on, on people's so so sweden is one of the countries that that suffer in this this lonely epidemic that, yeah. that we talk about um I remember just months ago, somebody died mm-hmm. um, and this old person died and it took three years to discover their body on the yeah. apartment. Mm. And a lot of people that you mentioned that to, they're not surprised that that you could literally die in an apartment and nobody will find you until three years later. Exactly. And this is the, the one of the, the reasons uh, is the hardware because... I don't know like exactly where is like he lives or she lives but it's part of the har- hardware if you put buildings close to each other you build a community so the software become active and people know okay there is a there's an old man there he's going to grocery every morning so why today he's not there and that's how you generate the life it's uh, the hardware like we, what urban planning is doing is one of the absolutely main reasons to create life Hmm. Yeah. Um, let Let's do. Let's keep talking a little bit about urban planning, and in particularly. Um, so, I've learned a lot through your podcast. Oh, thank, thank you, you so th- much. Thank, thank you, you so for much. listening. Yeah, yeah. It's um, is great. Um, and one of the things I was pleasantly surprised to discover is the movement of um, placemaking. Yeah. And I, I thought when I've heard it, it was, it was just great. I, I thought it was. Um, this is exactly. I'm. I, I'm so glad there's people that think about uh, placemaking or, or or urban planning in this way. Can you talk a little bit about? Of place course, making? of course. I think what may, made you happy because placemaking is not only for urban planners. Placemaking is a movement found in in the U.S. in the 70s, and now we have it in Europe as well. And placemaking is about making a space to a place to activate a space, and we have like a say tells. Uh, placemaking is a, a method that you turn a space you don't want to be there to a space you love to be there. And which is about you co-create a space, you develop a space, not only by yourself as a municipality or landowner, but no, all of the stakeholders that around this 
space. So uh, let's say there's a space. And so landowner to be need to be there. The people who lives around there, the uh, shop owners, the schools, the municipalities. So all can benefit and all together create this space. And so there will be a common story and a common belonging. And there will be something that they share together. And this is like a great um, method to develop a space. And what is beautiful with this method or movement is that everyone can be part of it, not only professionals, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very um, it, it yeah it's very welcoming. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it start from a chair that you put outside to welcome people and to create life, have a conversation, up to a public space with a playground with very interesting things. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I was I was so surprised to 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 hear about about this movement and how um sometimes the ideas are are so intuitive and so simple yeah that of course this space has to you want to feel like you want to be there yeah but why why has it taken it this long to to for placemaking to to have a voice let's take me back 20 30 years ago maybe mm -hmm. well how, what was urban planning like then yeah urban planning was like this uh Several guys meet. They got a commission from the um, authorities, municipalities. Okay, let's develop this area. So the three, let's say three urban planners or architects say, okay, we draw this line, a highway here. There will be buildings and so on. So, and then they create a scenario for the people. And people just follow and that's it. Then it's caused a big error and damage in people's life. That's why it's this placemaking movement cr created because it was uh, against what yeah, people they, they saw yeah. they saw that the whoever came and built this <laughs> yeah. is just not working exactly and it's in the us is like the 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 planning there is is a kind of awful <laughs> in right. some parts like right. very very aggressive you know highways and uh, highways with like uh, four lines in each you know yeah so that's why the mo movement created and why it took so long time it's because it was something new. And in that time, people or cities were not open. What? Why should I involve the little kids or the the shop owners? It's, it's more headache for me. Yeah. Why I can't just pay the architect or the planner and they do what they do and that's it. Uh, but during this time, we see that the planning, the planning is not really working. That's why we need to integrate more people. To make it more um, human scale, that's why it's now it's becoming a bit more famous place making. Okay, so so we talked about urban planning throughout the years. Um, we talked about um, place making as a one of the movements. And and what is your involvement with with place making here? And uh, uh, now uh, place making movement, like in every almost every country, they have an it's an organization, so you can be part of it, and you do you develop places together so you also like if you're listening you can if you're in europe you can just write placemaking europe so i am a placemaking europe leader so which i am responsible to share placemaking uh, concept and so on but actually because i'm an urban planner so i have the honor to work with placemaking on a real life uh, with my job so now we i'm doing a placemaking in Helsingborg in my own city wow yeah wow that's amazing we are developing a, a public square it's a bit unsafe yeah 
and the idea is to do a placemaking there so people feel safe and there will be not only let's say uh, males during the night time but all the different group of people kids uh, females yeah, very inclusive, yeah. yeah exactly so this is a very lovely project and i'm so happy to like to be part of it that it's amazing because it's your chance to i mean here you you came here when you were 17 yeah and you're giving back exactly this is like for me this is i'm in love with this this is my passion this i this is the the, the dream you know yeah. because all the elements that i'm in love with combining this project like helsingborg my my new home in sweden and also urban planning what i study and want to do the change so this is my chance to do the change and it's amazing and hopefully like i will invite you we will finish this project in two years because placemaking takes time because it's about building relationships with each other so hopefully in two years i will invite you and you will just enjoy that that would be amazing yeah yeah well maybe we'll do an episode on that yeah, yeah. so what are what are cities doing um today apart from because it Placemaking is it's a very uh, grassroots movement, yeah. right? Take me to the level, uh, the opposite. So from, from the levels of cities that say Stockholm City or other cities other in Sweden or that you have been in contact with, what, how are they making uh, um, uh, cities that where people feel like they belong? Well, what are they, they yeah, doing? Yeah, as I mentioned before, you know, like in the past years, we were planning uh, cities based on cars. But now we realize that we did a big mistake. Many of the cities realize that. And now they know that the, the money from the taxes need to put back to people. So what cities doing now is that to replan their, their own cities. So how do they do that is by integrating people in a planning process. That means that with every, let I will talk about Stockholm. Within every development, urban development project, uh, there is a law that tells that people need to be part of this and give their opinion. Uh, what do they think about the development? How can we planner make it more livable based on their uh, point of view? So, and also, we need to listen to them. So that's how we can integrate them in the in the future scenarios because in the end, they are the final users. Correct. So uh, now it's, it's very interesting... Uh, not only Stockholm, many cities doing this, that planners, me, sitting together with a person, like a very normal person from the from the from neighborhood or the, from the area that will be developed, and we talk, like, very honest, what would you like to see, what is functioning, what is not, and I document this and translate these stories to a concrete urban planning and design element. So, like, lighting, uh, accessibility, uh, mobility, all of this. So now, it's this is the shift is happening that you talk to people before you plan. And I think we will see the result. Uh, maybe when me and you are gonna be old, <laughs> but then we <laughs> right. will see like a human scaled uh, cities, like some in many part of the Italian cities. Uh, you feel good because the scale is adjusted to human. So like it's it's not for cars, it's for people. So we we are moving to the right direction. It's gonna take take a little bit of time to see the result because cities need so much time to yeah to to be changed or to, to be developed. Yeah, I mean, um, 
think about a lot of the things, the construction things that we're seeing now yeah. are have started maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, when within our profession, you will be so happy if you work on an urban planning uh, project and it will be done within five years or 10 years. Yeah. yeah so like I, I met a senior here and he was so happy. I'd be like, okay, why, why, why are you so happy? He told me, this is my absolutely first project to be fully done. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and he was celebrating. And the thing is because like, you know, regulations, stakeholders, uh, politics, all of this. Funding as well. Funding, exactly. Yeah, you need to justify, you're going to spend millions on, and you will, the people who are voting you yeah. will not. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, mm. yeah, it's definitely a, a long-term game. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I think, um, I'm gonna, I think we're, we're just about wrapping up our, our interview. Um, I've learned so much. And, um, so I have, um, some rapid fire questions that I, I wanted to ask you now they're rapid fire, but you could take your time okay. answering. So the first question is, your favorite cities and why? Um, Milan, uh, because of the art and and culture. Okay, yeah, good. Um, one place that you like to visit, um, and why? And this cannot be a place that you have been before. Ha, huh, okay. Yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. it's a little twist. Um, um, Times Square in New York. Uh, why? Because I see it in all movies. I see it everywhere. And uh, I think it will be interesting to to be there to experience. Okay. Um, what um, any books that have had impact? Um, but if you want to expand it to maybe a movie as well, um, um, not necessarily for your work, but you as a, your personal life. Any books that you yeah. you and there is a book called Koden. It's in Swedish called Koden for an Levandestad, and it's about uh, Paris how they built Paris before the modernism, okay. how they make it so tight, so functional, uh, so beautiful, and so like a lot of trees and boulevards. So I, I lived in Paris yeah. um, for a year. Yeah. Um, and it was one of the greatest experiences um, of my life. Um, and I I remember reading about this houseman person. Exactly. Yeah. It's a houseman. Okay. And uh, or maybe in 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 French it's called Osman. Yeah, that's right. And he's the one that got commissioned from Napoleon the Third, I think, yeah. to rebuild Paris. Yeah. And uh, when you read the book, he he just rebuilt Paris, and people didn't recognize Paris anymore. Right. It was not the same at all. People didn't know where's where their places because he he cutted some of houses to in order to established the boulevards the trees uh, so he did big things and in this book they talk about is it good or bad about the result after like 100 years yeah. it's very good yeah the um i remember climbing up the the arc de triomphe so it's in the center of the what's called the etoile the, the yeah. star and then you could just look around 365 and you see lines straight lines exactly and it's it's yeah it's breathtaking wow um okay and so, um, where can people learn more about um, what we talked about today? Uh, of course, we're going to have links to everything yeah. that we talked about. 
and um, I'm gonna have links to your podcast and, you. and and your Instagram and and, Thank you so much. and all the places that, yeah. that where they can reach you. Yeah. But um, I think I think um, any other resources where yeah, I think the podcast is is good because this is what I'm trying also to interview different people so to to bring different stories. But there's a homepage called Arc Daily, and these people try to bring the good projects within architecture and urban planning, uh, like best practices books and so on it's always good to to see very beautiful things there okay great um now is there anything else you'd like to 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 tell my audience and um uh yes i'm thinking about i'm telling that uh, this kind of uh, we we like to live in by big house you know and to have a big space but in the end, if I would love that every one of us uh, to ask themselves and to reflect about what is, as you mentioned, what is home for me, and does it really matter if I have three rooms or just one? How much I use daily, uh, how much I consume of space. So just ask yourself, um, how much of space do you consume actually, and how much of space is enough for you? Like if you model a house, so what kind of rooms? that you need that you're really going to use not just there but rooms that you're going to actively use daily great yeah i guess uh, we could all be a little bit more conscious about our space and and how we belong in the place where we are yeah yeah so mustafa this been it's been an honor having you um i really really enjoy our conversation um thank you so much for being on create belonging thank you so much i'm um, I'm very, very happy that you started the podcast and I'm being part of this podcast. It's a big thing for me because this is a very interesting and and good topic to talk about. And you made me think a lot, actually. <laughs> well, that's, that's good. Then. Yeah. And I wish you all the good luck and hopefully we meet in Helsinki and I will show you the placemaking results. Thank you so much. I love that. Thank you. Okay. And we're back. It's just me now. Just Matteo with some final thoughts and final remarks. Now there was a lot of topics that uh, that I could have talked about for hours with Mustafa. It's like I said at the beginning. Not only is he giving a lot of thought about places and how do we belong to places. Now that is literally what he does. Is his job to design and to make critical decisions that impact the places where we live. Now, I didn't mention this at the beginning, but I'm a huge fan of design in general. Now, I love how design is really a problem-solving technique, and design really starts with empathy. And those of you who have taken part in a design thinking sprint have understood that you have to start with people. You have to put people at the center of your decisions. And that's why I'm a huge fan of, of design. I'm a huge fan of urban planning. And in particularly what the, the placemaking movement that we briefly touched upon. Now, as always, I'm going to put links of, of everything. Um, I, Of course, I would love for you to listen to Mustafa's Urbanistic podcast. I wanted to really thank Mustafa for taking time and sharing his story with us. 
if you would like to get in touch with Mustafa, please uh, go ahead and tell him that you heard about him um, and the Create Belonging podcast. I'm sure he would be happy about that. He's a really cool guy and we'll be happy to hear from you. And so hopefully next time you're walking around town or you leave your place and get on your car or your bicycle or you're out walking your dog, you will start paying attention a little bit more that about how the place makes you feel and why or why not do some places make you feel more that you belong than others. But just as a caveat, as you probably know that I'm a believer in belonging should not be defined by your external world and you should really be able to find your belonging regardless of where you are. And that is an introduction to my next episode. And so this idea of belonging as something that you already have and nobody can either give it to you or it should not even depend on the place where you live. This is one of the fundamental premises that I learned from my next guest. And for my next guest, I have the honor of speaking to Sebine Selassie. She is, by far, I said this now I said this before, she is by far the one person that has influenced me the most in terms of how we should all be thinking of belonging and why belonging is not only a fundamental need, but it's something that everybody can benefit from. I have to say that I am incredibly intimidated to record that podcast with Sabine. She is an amazing person and I really can't wait to share that episode with you. So I hope you can join me for episode six with Sabine Selassie. But until then, go create belonging for yourself and for others. Thank you.